Hi, everyone. This is Jackie Cooper with the GBA Talk Show and also Crypto Mom 2. And I want to welcome everyone to this episode. I also want to remind everyone to definitely like and subscribe because we have many, many conversations coming up in the feed. And I want to make sure that you stay connected and you are able to enjoy all the conversations that will be posted shortly. So today, I'm very excited to have a special guest because working in the blockchain area, it's all about problem solving. And today we're going to be talking about problems that are being solved for the healthcare community. And healthcare means everyone because we all are involved in this community. So I'm, you know, I think this conversation is going to be enlightening as well as productive. And we have definitely um, a lot of information to share. But before I hop over to my special guest, for those that don't know who I am, um, I want to welcome you. I am, uh, my name is Jackie Cooper, and I'm an attorney, but I'm also a special educator as well as an author and also a blockchain enthusiast. And I've been involved with the blockchain community for about 45 years, which is very short in comparison to some others. And um, I have been um privileged to be able to be the talk show host for GBA, which is a an association that actually is going to be hosting a major event in May. And I will share more about that um, down the road. But we want to um, definitely invite you to come to uh, to Washington and be at the press club so that way you can meet all the various speakers and um, learn what's going on, both from the industry standards to the regulation, to the creativity that is on the blockchain. So with that being said, since creativity is all about what this company does, um, I want to welcome you today. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Jackie. Yeah. So um, you've, you have gotten involved with GBA, but you have been in the blockchain for a while. Um, why don't you share a little bit before we start talking about the problem that the, um, the, your group is solving, why don't you share a little bit about how did you come to be um, part of this organization and also deciding that this was an area that you thought we needed to solve a problem in? Sure. So thank you again, Jackie, for having me. I'm Pradeep Gol. I'm the CEO of SaltCare. Uh, I'm a member of GBA. My firm is uh, part of the, the Government Blockchain Association. And very proud to be part of this organization. It does a lot of great work. You and Gerard and Kathy and many others work tirelessly to advance blockchain adoption by government, not just in the US, but worldwide. So we come to these meetings religiously, certainly encourage everyone else who is interested in actual use of blockchain. And if you are in the healthcare government regulatory space, and this is a great group of people who are looking at blockchain in a very realistic and, and adoptable manner. Uh, and GBA is free from hype. It's not a hype fest, which is wonderful. About myself, I am a healthcare executive. I spent 30 plus years in very diverse roles in healthcare. I've been CIO of Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Dakota, an early mutual insurance company, the CTO of a company called WebMD. Uh, on the payer side, I built several health tech companies. Um, and I've also been very involved with the implementation of Obamacare in multiple states for Medicaid expansion and for the implementation of state and federal exchange, um, as well as I was involved very heavily in the implementation of health savings accounts. So if you cut me, healthcare is what I bleed. That's what I've done all my life. 
But what I've found in spending these years in healthcare in various capacities, and many of them are privileged roles, very empowered roles, is that we seem to be repeating ourselves. We keep talking about the same problems. We keep repeating the same mistakes and keep investing in the same fundamentally uh, broken IT infrastructure that keeps wasting 90% of our money. So SolveCare was a culmination of having done it all, seen it all work partially and failed significantly, and decided that there's a better use and a better approach to making healthcare equitable, open, accessible. So SolveCare's mission in a nutshell that I started the company six years to do is to make healthcare equitable, fair, and accessible to all, regardless of geography, economic conditions, race, and disease, and uh, your zip code should not determine the quality of your healthcare. And we wanted to apply this principle to every human being on the planet. And that's what our mission is. I, I, I definitely resonate with that. My earlier life as a lawyer um, was all about patients' rights. And uh, when I came to Washington, I actually was working um, within a healthcare consulting firm. So I was seeing a lot of the inequities that you spoke about. Um, and then I kind of navigated to over into to nonprofit law and some others. It's always been about service. So, you know, what you're talking about um, definitely has been around. The problem has been around for many years. Now, there are, there are going to be listeners both on the GBA side who are understanding what blockchain is. But then there are individuals on my other talk show side, Crypto Mom 2, where it also gets shared, who might not understand um, why the IT of the past has failed and why blockchain might be the solution. So um, would you be able to explain the differences between the two and why the Web3 side is something that you were looking at to help solve a problem that you have been seeing for years? And then uh, we can kind of unfold all the various layers of this. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said correctly, uh, you know, for many people, blockchain can be a mysterious thing. Mm -hmm. But let's look at the first, the healthcare issues that we're trying to fix. Yeah. In healthcare, there are three fundamental silos. The first, that it, that are barriers to open, fair, accessible care. And I'm not just talking about the United States. It's true worldwide. Yes. The first silo we all know is data silo, where our data is locked up in various containers, which are in the control of various parties, who for various reasons do not like to talk to each other. And sometimes they don't even like to talk to us as patients. So those silos impede care. We all understand that. The second silo, which is less understood, but perhaps more insidious is delivery silos. So we have in healthcare, something called delivery networks. Uh, and some of them are very reputable and high quality networks, but they are still narrow networks by definition. So if you're part of the good network, you get good care. And if you're not part of the network, you may not even get care. And the more networks we create, the more silos we create, the less accessible net, uh, healthcare becomes. So whether you're part of an insurance delivery network or a, or a Johns Hopkins network, and these are great organizations, there's nothing wrong with them, but they are narrow networks and they all deny care to everybody who's not part of their network. So the more clubby, you know, the more private club oriented we make healthcare, the less accessible it becomes. We shouldn't go, healthcare should not be like private golf courses, but the more and more healthcare is moving to that, has been moving to that for the last 50 years, and that's wrong. 
And those silos are really bad for humanity. And the third silo we have is payment silos. Mm -hmm. exactly. If you're a care provider and I'm not in the right payment silo, I'm not going to make money and I'm not going to survive. So I'm forced to practice medicine inside a payment silo. I could be a great cardiologist, but my, my revenue cycle contract determines where I can practice. And that's wrong as well. So my competency is being controlled by the revenue the revenue facilitator. And that's not a good thing for humanity either. So these three silos, data silo, delivery silo, and payment silo, together make healthcare intractably difficult to fix. And you keep hearing about this over the years. Healthcare is really hard to fix. It's because we're not dealing with one dimensional problem. We're dealing with three dimensions, data, delivery, and payment. And we decided that all three need to be fixed at the same time for anything to get fixed. And so, that's where I think Web3 comes into play and blockchain comes into play. So um, I know you're gonna be um, showing us various um, platforms so that um, individuals can explore. And that's the other thing I wanna mention for everyone who's listening. Um, definitely, if you're on the audio side, hop onto the YouTube side and um, wherever you are, I will be embedding the various links that we're talking about. So that way you can actually go explore and reach back out to uh, become part of the solution. Um, I, I understand, and you're probably going to be talking about this as we go forward. I understand that there are these three separate areas. So how, um, and, and I, you might want to be pulling up the, the website now, possibly, how do these three areas then start to communicate with each other on um, the blockchain? Because you still have... Um, the and the other the other question which you probably will be answering down the road is how is the blockchain able to help protect individuals um privacy and data but still share it and especially again i know i'm throwing out a lot at once um when we are sick and and go into as a consumer and go into you know the um the healthcare world we might not always want to have all of our paperwork in order. And two, we might not be able to communicate because of the condition of our, our healthcare. So how do you think that the blockchain and what you're creating will help um, those who might not be able to communicate as well? So maybe we can touch on that in no particular order. I just, as those questions came up, I wanted to share. Uh, for those, I'm going to stop my chatter for the moment, but just to share that for those that are on the audio side right now, we have up care chain, which um, is a layer two chain, which we're going to have to explain what layer two means because some individuals might not know, um, built specifically for healthcare. And um, again, it is both for the consumer, physician, and the organizations within the healthcare. So um, with that, I'm going to let you talk. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Jackie. Great questions. And uh, of course, these are very profound questions. So I'll try to make them easy for the audience to understand. So let's take those three silos and let's see how blockchain and Web3 interact, can be used to, and we are using the, these technologies to fix them. And I will use blockchain and Web3 inter interchangeably for now. And I'll explain later why that is okay. interchangeable. They are different technologies, but they seem to converge very well to solve the same problem. So yes. let's go to first the question. So when you look at, uh, first question you ask is what's blockchain? So blockchain fundamentally is a different way of computing logic. Yes. Uh, it's also a different way of storing data. Yes. So 
In the simplest explanation, a blockchain is a spreadsheet on my computer that is automatically a copy of spreadsheet on your computer and is also a copy, same copy exists on thousands of computers. So when I change a uh, cell in my spreadsheet, everybody's spreadsheet will change real time. Um, and that will allow all the spreadsheets to always stay in sync. That's how that. it I works. I love that definition. It's very right. simple, very visual, and very understandable. Thank right. you. So it's a very, very big spread out, you know, Google Docs or SharePoint file where you change your file and all your colleagues can see it. But it's much more powerful than that because there is there are many other properties of blockchain that make it useful in solving the three silos. And they will become clear as we go through. So now, uh, how do you solve the data silo? So the, there are two fundamental ways blockchain can solve them. But the way we can easily solve the data silo is if I have the control over my ability to give you permission through this ledger that I just described. So if I can go into the spreadsheet and create a row and say, I'm giving Jackie access to my medical records, I may not have the medical record, but any organization that's holding my record can see that, that row in the spreadsheet because they have the same spreadsheet as you and I, and they can see that Pradeep modified this cell and basically said, give Jackie access to my records. So Hopkins and Mayo and King South Hospital and Apollo Hospital in India, and maybe I was in New Zealand at one point and uh, I got hurt and the hospital there has my records as well, all can see that I've given Jackie permission to see my data which then makes it easier for them to send the data to you. And how they send it is a separate question, but this is one way you solve the data silo issue. You manage a global consent fabric on blockchain where anybody who has your information can verify consent to use, consume, share that information by looking at the right cell. Jackie, approved by Pradeep on Monday morning at 6 a.m., I have now legal obligation and, and no risk in sharing this information with Jackie. This is point one. Point two, they need to know that Jackie is Jackie. So blockchain can also be used to confirm your identity. So I can give permission to Jackie in the form of an address saying, this is the address where information must be sent. And that address is something that Jackie and I have pre-agreed is the right address. So then the hospital does not need to worry about is the information going in the wrong hands and they can put the data on that address. So you have identity and identity in blockchain is always an address, okay? The third way you can control data is should down the road, Pradeep get upset with the hospital in New Zealand and say, why did you share my information with Jackie? And I, I didn't give you that right. They can point to the ledger and say, look, on Monday at 6 a.m. you actually said in this ledger, this event that says, please share anybody who has Pradeep's information, please send it to Jackie. And we verified it was you giving the permission and we therefore gave information to Jackie. So I cannot change my mind and hold somebody else accountable for my actions. All right. So that's how you break down data silos. There's a lot more into it, but this is the basics. And I think that for those that are listening, we're starting to become more aware of um, on the traditional um, website platforms, the, the the medical portals. You know, we where our doctors, you know, communicate with us, or uh, you know, and give us our medical and uh, information after we go in for a physical visit. So um, this is the next step up, which also allows, as you said. 
on a global level to be able to communicate to wherever we happen to travel, because that's also, I'm also in the travel space. And I know that, you know, if you have a medical condition outside of the United States, the idea of communication sometimes is difficult. So it, this is definitely a problem that needed to be solved. So um, keep going because I'm, I'm, I'm definitely understanding what you're saying. And, and I think that this is um, really excellent. Right. So what you see on screen is uh, care chain. Care chain is that ledger I just described. I give you one simple use case of how care chain can allow me as a patient to share my information with Jackie, the doctor, and allow every data source that is related to me to collaborate in sharing and collecting that information and getting it to you. So I happen to, if tomorrow if I end up on a road trip and I need a new physician who I've never worked with before to access all my medical history, I could essentially grant that physician that right on the chain and every chain participant would be able to provide that physician my information without risk and liability easily and securely without worrying if the physician is really a physician right? All that stuff gets handled by what we call the care chain. So this is the foundational technology. The second silo we talked about is delivery silo. We can talk about that a little bit later, but as a simple example, instead of me being tied to a narrow delivery network, I can share my needs on the chain. I can say I'm looking for a dentist or a uh, optometrist or an endocrinologist or a primary care pediatrician, whatever. And by putting that information out on the chain, that request can be routed to every other participant of the chain that meets that competency criteria. So instead of me searching for a doctor, I can publish my needs and have people respond to it. But to make sure that my need is matched to the right competency, which is why we call our care chain a proof of competency chain, where my requests and my published events will only be routed and made accessible to those actors on the chain who meet the competency criteria. So that's a second way to break down silo. So suddenly, instead of being searching for a doctor in the yellow pages or on, on Google and picking the name that looks familiar and you know this is how most of, or just asking my neighbor or my friend who they go see, we can actually start to access care based on real need and real competency. And then there is no geographic boundaries because you can, I can consult with a doctor in India if that's the best doctor for me and I have that choice. So we are trying to break down and we are seeing already a break in these big, huge silos called delivery silos. And we are starting to see doctors say to us, I would rather open up my accessibility on your chain where anybody can find me and I can do, I can practice in a compliant and safe way, and they can find me when they need me, and I can sub even subscribe to need-based events so I can actually help the right kind of people. So there is a, there's a matching, a matchmaking between patient doctor, patient pharmacy, patient lab, um, even patient drive ambulance. All those relationships can be formed real time, not pre-built. So I'm not tied to a delivery silo. And in US, we are very siloed, but all over the world, these delivery silos exist, some big, some small. And our vision is that the care chain breaks all those silos down and will break them down over time. Uh, and that's that it's starting already in the pharmaceutical pharmacy space, prescription space, equipment space, device space, but it is starting to go into the clinical delivery space as well, primary care, 
specialty care, uh, preventative care, wellness. So it's it's spreading, and because it makes sense to both sides. So this is the second point. The third example case we have is payment silos, and that's the easiest and the most complex to fix. The chain uh, blockchain is a great ledger. If I allow, if I if Jackie sends me a bill, she can just put that bill on the chain, and Pradeep can just move tokens to the bill's address, and I'm done paying. So I don't need to do a lot to make. And that payment receipt of bill and payment and all that is on the ledger, so there can be no dispute. Reconciliation is automatic, and it becomes really exciting. As an example, if I need to pay you, an insurance company needs to pay you. So Jackie writes the bill on the ledger. So on the spreadsheet appears a, a row saying Jack, Pradeep owes Jackie $100. Pradeep uh, makes a $20 payment. That row appears on the ledger saying Pradeep paid Jackie $20, which means the insurance company needs to pay the $80. The insurance company can, can make a decision to pay you $72 put that record on the same ledger, which means there is a balance of $8, which Pradeep is responsible for, and he can pay that. And we are all in sync at all times. So there is, a, we can eliminate very bureaucratic healthcare payment processes. And my personal experience tells me that over a 10 year period, just doing what I described using ledger-based payments in healthcare that are co coordinated between insurance provider and patient, we could save a trillion dollars over a decade just in payment processing. A trillion dollars, a thousand billion, because I know how much money we spend on adjudicating claims, meaning processing the bills, paying the bills, chasing after the doctor to reconcile, chasing after the patient to reconcile, dealing with appeals and disputes. It's insanity. So I have seen cases in healthcare where when I was in administering healthcare for millions, that sometimes you would pay 25, we would spend $25 to actually make a $20 payment to the doctor. Where else in the world, which other uh, industry, the cost of making the transaction is bigger than the transaction itself. In healthcare, that happens all the time. So the point here is that these three silos can all be addressed with something like the care chain. And that's really what we are, we believe is the is a better legacy to leave for the next generation than what we have today. You bring up so many um, um, very interesting points here. Um, one of the questions that I do have, and um, I know we're gonna hop over and talk about the training side for those that are, are new to this. Um, you mentioned as you were talking about the payment side and tokens. Now. Um, many individuals who are in blockchain understand this, but for those that are not, who are just learning or listening to our conversation, they're going to think about blockchain as crypto only and a cryptocurrency only. And in fact, that's not true. Blockchain is, um, um, is, is so much more, but um, they're going to be thinking, well, I don't want to be paying for my healthcare in cryptocurrency. So I, I want to have you clarify the fact, and, and I think you did, but I really want to be specific. Um, the the payments in the insurance side, it's in whatever the fiat or the currency is of the country in which the healthcare is being provided. However, um, you did mention tokens. So I wanted you to kind of explain um, a little bit about how this communication process between the parties happens on the blockchain. Because again, it is a technical thing, but um, people might get confused and they might think, oh, well, I... I don't want to pay in crypto. And, and I don't think that that was what you were implying at all. But why don't you go ahead and clarify? 
Sure. So for those of you who have heard the word crypto, you need to think of it this way. Um, you know, we use different ways to make payment today. We have something called checks. If so many of you might remember them, you used to write them. Uh, you would tear off a piece of paper, sign it. It had certain indicators on it, which bank account, what's your routing number, what's your account number, things like this, your name, your address. And you would sign it to a party. They'd give it to them. They would go to the bank and get it cashed. Right. What is a check? A check is a token. A check is a is a vehicle, a token that I'm giving you in a paper form and saying, Jackie, when you take this token to the bank, the bank will honor this token and they'll pay you the money. So that's a token. So if you think of check as a token, just putting a digital version of the check on the blockchain is what we're talking about. Now there is no risk in writing a check. We all know that if I have money in the bank, the check will be honored. If I don't have money in the bank, check won't be honored. <laughs> so you can design tokens to do exactly that. Yeah. This is, but it's a much more efficient check, but it has be more better properties. So for an example of a token as a check property would be this. When you write a check, you have to not only sign it, you have to fill the amount, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. I can, I don't want to write a blank check. Exactly. Remember the term blank check? You want to actually have the party get a check with an amount. Yes. But with a token, you can write a blank check without any risk. Let me give you an example. So I go see Jackie as a doctor. She's my doctor. And she says to me, look, it may cost you $20. It may cost you $40. I'm not sure when we talk, I will know. So I say, okay, doc, that's fine. I come see you. And, the, and when you say to me, look, I need, um, I need to send you a bill. And I say to you, okay, here is my token. I'm giving you a token from my wallet, basically saying that what your bill amount is up to $40, I'll pay it. But you don't need to call me back when you have created your bill, when you know how much you to charge me, cash in the token and within boundaries of what we have agreed, the token will be cashed against my wallet. So you can write a blank check or at least a control check. Control. So there are many ways you can create programmable checks called programmable tokens. Mm -hmm. So what if my check was smart enough to not only pay you the right amount, it could also ask questions. Could say, hey, Jackie, you are charging me $100 for this visit. I've given you my token, but isn't my insurance company telling me that I'm supposed to only pay 20 bucks and you are supposed to bill 80? So that if the token is, the check is smart, it can ask you that question and say, you can say, oh yeah, I'm only supposed to charge you 20. The 80 has to be billed by the, paid by the insurance company. So my token is smart enough to limit my exposure by asking the insurance company, what's my copay? And if the insurance company comes back and says, no, Pradeep, your copay is $30, not 20, the token would withdraw 30 from my wallet. So you get the picture. Yes, very much. It's so. about having dumb checks. You can have smart tokens, but it's the same principle. Now, crypto tokens are designed to behave slightly differently. A crypto check, a crypto token says the price of the check is determined by the market. Whatever the price of the check is in the market is what Jackie is going to get. That's what a Bitcoin is. But that's what a Ethereum is designed to be. They are checks that are floating in value in the market. But in healthcare, you probably don't want to use those floating value tokens. So we have designed this programmable check capability with a lot of healthcare power, a lot of power needed to solve healthcare payment issues. And that's what solve token is. It's not a cryptocurrency in the sense that, you know, you are speculating on it by looking at the price in the market. It's a programmable check. 
Yeah. And it can be programmed in many different ways. It can be programmed for me to pay you. It can be programmed for me, the, the token to check with the insurance company what the copay is and then pay the right amount. It even has a programmability to say, let the insurance company pay first and I'll pay the balance. Or it has a programmability to say, let me pay 20 to you, Jackie, now. Then you go build the insurance company and then let me know how much the balance is and I'll pay you the balance as long as the balance is not more than 10 bucks. You see, it makes healthcare much easier to administer. And it, this is where we save the trillion dollars a year, uh, trillion dollars over a decade is our estimate based on our past research that we could eliminate so much bureaucracy and so much time, energy, frustration for patient, for doctor, and for the payer, for the administrator, and eliminate a lot of just incredibly frictionful payment processes by just having these smart checks. And by putting them on the blockchain, you can dispute them. The ledger shows you the sequence. So nobody can later on come back and say, I don't agree. This is not what happened. Well, it's on the ledger. You did, you received, you cashed in the check, you got paid. Everybody is always in sync. So the chances of dispute and arguments are dramatically reduced and compliance becomes easier. So that's what we are really talking about is when we talk about payment tokens, we talk about smart, smart, smart checks on blockchain. So, and I appreciate your going into the detail to explain, because I think a lot of people do get confused about that. Um, you mentioned compliance. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about regulations. Where, what do you see from the past? Where do you see that regulations need to go in the future? And how does your, um, your solution um, relate to, um, you know, what is currently being regulated and, and where you see it going? You know, how, how does that help everyone here? Because yeah. regulations are constantly changing. And they need to continue to evolve. Of course, regulations are a reflection of society's needs and concerns. Uh, and as they change, the regulation needs to keep up. They, sometimes they lag, but often eventually they catch up. Healthcare is highly regulated. We know that. And it's for good reason. But we think that the regulatory framework as it exists is very much focused around preventing harm, right? Uh, most of the regulation written from a patient point of view is that don't use and abuse my data, use it for the purpose it was collected, don't share it without my permission, don't sell it to others without, you know, uh, for any reason that is inappropriate. So don't abuse my data, collect it, protect it, don't share it. That's basically it, right? And everybody who has your data is supposed to follow that regulation, but we trust and we occasionally inspect and when things go wrong, we punish. Mm -hmm. That's how regulation is written, but we do nothing to prevent. So the value of blockchain is not to enforce a regulation, but to prevent the scenarios where regulation is trying to protect against. So if we were to think of blockchain as a mechanism of control of data in the hands of the patient, and we link the data to the consent, those rows and cells in the spreadsheet that I have to say yes for somebody to share my data with somebody else. And I have the power to take away that permission. Those kind of things can be done on blockchain easily. So in a nutshell, blockchain actually exceeds the current compliance expectations. Because as I said, current compliance expectation is not preventative, it's reactionary. We will let the hospital collect everybody's data, yours, mine, million other patients. They are supposed to store it. We're gonna do an annual audit on them, but if they lose the data, we're gonna punish them. That's regulation, right? 
What if we said the hospital has no right to hold million patients' data in, a, in their data system? How about every patient hold their data through the control of the chain and the hospital is a participant to the chain as well? It reduces the risk to the hospital for that big data loss happening and people going to prison or being fined millions. Patients don't have to worry what's really going on behind the high walls of the hospital, right? And we actually can follow and along and see the utility of our data, whether in the form of clinical care or research or trials or whatever. So this notion and regulation currently, the regulation is right now based on Web2 technology, where we have to allow somebody to hold and control our data. Yes. In the Web3 world, that regulation has to say, it's the permitted use of data that matters way more. Let's write regulation about that. But if you were to look at HIPAA, if you were to look at high tech, uh, if you were to look at even things like FedRAMP and PCI, they're all about preventing abuse of already highly centralized data sets. And the way we are approaching it is we are saying, okay, you can do better job at that for sure with blockchain, with CareChain, for example, but you can just prevent the scenarios where most of the abuse and violations occur. And let's just use the chain as a way to control access to for everybody and facilitate access to those who need to have it. So it works both ways. We can make access easier, but we also can make violations harder. Um, so having said all that, we think the regulation will evolve to recognize the blockchain web three capabilities. It'll be a few years, but there is no regulation against doing things better today. So we have not found ourselves um, you know, prevented from using blockchain to control access to data or to audit the use of data or to monitor custody of data. You can do that. Regulation does not stop you. It, we, what we are doing helps achieve the purpose of the regulation in the first place. But is there any specific regulation, as you said, what's the future look like? I think new regulation can make the use of blockchain and Web3 in regulating healthcare data and healthcare uh, delivery and healthcare payments uh, more easier. Uh, regulation can also be very helpful. So while there is no not much significant negative regulation, uh, there is a lot of opportunity for positive regulation. But we are very happy with the fact that the regulatory framework as it exists today is largely supportive of patients controlling their information and their identity. And that's a good thing. Yes, it is. Um, I, I, I definitely want us to continue the the conversation, but I see proof of competence here, and um, I I would like you to explain a little bit because you know people who have been following uh, blockchain or maybe even those that have not, they've probably heard the words uh, proof of work or proof of stake thrown out um, in the media. So um, explain to me a little bit more about um, how proof of competence is built in and how you are um, working with these various uh, phrases and terms and, and what they mean, actually. Yeah. And these are very, I think sometimes they're overly complicated, but let's break them down. So a proof of work is basically a mechanism through which all the people who have a copy of the spreadsheet have to do something to prove that they, they have a valid copy of the spreadsheet. So proof of work is simply a algorithm that you have to cross compute on your computer so that your spreadsheet and my spreadsheet stay in sync, mm -hmm. okay? But because everybody does the same work, the more copies of the spreadsheet there are, more repetition and wasteful energy consumption there is, because all of us do exactly the same thing to stay in sync. 
So proof of work is a, is a very highly replicated um, uh, synchronization mechanism, but it is very, very expensive in terms of computational power and it's not good for the planet. Proof of stake goes another way and says, everybody who has staked some money or tokens um, are allowed to have a copy of the spreadsheet and they have earned the right to have a copy of the, the spreadsheet by staking something, by depositing something in an escrow bank account. Right. Staking is just an escrow, right? So you escrow some money, you get a copy of the spreadsheet. Now you are also one of the stakeholders because you put a stake in that and now you have a copy of the ledger. So that's fine, but it really doesn't prove me that you are a competent authority, that you should have a copy of my ledger or of the ledger of this chain. So proof of competence solves a fundamental compliance issue. And that is, does everybody who has a copy of the ledger are competent to have a copy of the ledger? Do they have a reason and a competence to protect this ledger? So we took the concept that for you to have a copy of our ledger for the care chain ledger, you need to be a competent participant. And you can establish competency by telling us who you are and where you are and what you do. And we took that one step further for healthcare and we said, you know, the people who are initially allowed to hold the ledger cannot be bad actors. So sanctioned countries are off the list. Uh, people who have, who have been sanctioned by OFAC or who cannot, uh, who have been previously uh, violated patient rights or privacy or human rights or whatever. So we can exclude bad actors right out of the gate. Because the worry here is that with proof of stake, a bad, you know, anti-democratic nation could buy in a bunch of proof of stakes, stand up a bunch of ledgers, copies, and start to control the ledger. You know, you wouldn't want a copy of this ledger in the hands of clearly proven bad state actors. So there are many such bad actors we want to exclude from participating on the chain. So neither proof of work nor proof of stake are designed to protect the chain from bad actors, proof of competency is, that's one. The second is proof of competency also allows us to do zero knowledge relationships. What does that mean? If we require that every ledger participant, every blockchain participant has to publish a competency in the form of a role. So if you're a doctor, your competency is you're a doctor. If you're a pharmacy, your competency is you're a licensed pharmacy. If your competency is a hospital, you're a, you're a well-known, healthcare institution or an insurance company or even a large multinational corporation that is taking care of their employees, whatever. We know your competency, we know your role. But by knowing the competent role, we can allow relationships to be formed in the chain without sharing identity. So for example, if a thousand doctors are competent roles on the chain, I can just put a request on the chain as a patient and say, I need to see a doctor. And my request event would only will be replicated in this ledger, but it will be encrypted so that only the doctor's version of the ledger will let, let them see Pradeep's name and what his request is. So you see, then the chain becomes a way for us to establish private, secure communication between parties without sharing their identity. The doctor does not need to know my name, and I don't need to, need to know the name of the doctor for us to at least connect and say, hey, doc, are you available? Are you an endocrinologist? So proof of competency establishes zero knowledge relationships where we don't need to share everything about ourselves. And the best use case for that is, you know, when you get on a phone with, a, with let's say, airline ticketing company or a, a travel agent, since you're in the travel business, and they're asking you so many questions that you're like, but this is not relevant to my travel. 
Why do you need to know all this? Well, I need to know this for X, Y, Z reasons, but it makes you very uncomfortable as a consumer that they're asking me way too many questions unrelated to my request for service. Your service delivery should not require me to, for me to have to share my whole life history. So in healthcare, that's very sensitive. So we allow zero knowledge transactions where only the unnecessary knowledge is not shared, okay? So those are the kind of things that uh, proof of competency achieves that no other blockchain does. So in that sense, CareChain is unique because we believe that healthcare is all about competency and trust and proof of competency establishes both of those in the chain fundamentally, which means everybody who is on our chain can trust the chain and each other. So um, we've covered a lot. I know that there's a lot more that we want to cover. We might end up having to do more than one show, but um, training. I know you and I talked about before we got on, um, you have the ability to train people who are new to this so they can see how this might actually assist them in their day-to-day operations or how they're servicing and supporting others. Uh, do you want to go into that a little bit? Um, uh, because I think that that's really important. We've we've shared so much, but people might be thinking, well, what do I do? You know, what's, so, what's the next step? Thank you for that, Jackie. You're very good. Uh, so I'll wrap up on that. That we have we run regular workshops and we run specific workshops for different entities. So typically, the call to action is very simple. Um, if you're a physician or if you're a pharmacy or a lab or a physician network or a pharmacy network, an insurance company, a hospital, a government, public health administrator, you are a medical university. If you are in the business of delivering or managing healthcare, reach out to us. We will conduct a workshop for you. These are very fun, joyful, exciting, playful workshops, two to three hours. And we both educate you on how to use the care chain and the care platform, but we also actually help you think through your immediate needs. And we, in fact, can sometimes during the workshop even author some apps right there. It takes literally hours to do it. Um, so it's a very fun experience. And we find that uh, government agencies and hospitals and many different walks of life in healthcare enjoy and have used this workshop model. So that's the easiest way to get started. Of course, we have trainings and we have online materials and we have tons of technical documentation, but frankly, you don't need to learn all that. You don't need to learn how the car is built to get into the car and drive. True, right? very true. <laughs> so reach out to us and we'll conduct a workshop and we'll help you think through what your uh, current challenges are. And within an hour or two, we'll come back to you and show you a DAP or a network that you can author on our platform that will help you go, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty neat. I want to try it out. Now, you have um, two different platforms or websites. So I know we've been talking about the care chain. Uh, do you want to also show your the other um, one and explain a little bit more about the differences between the two? Because I will have, for everyone who's listening, I'm going to have both links up and um, and as well as a way to reach out for questions that you might have. So what are we looking at right now? So there are two sides to the same coin. So the care chain is a technology view of how you accomplish this decentralized healthcare model. How, what do, how does a blockchain work and what can I do in terms of breaking down data silos and care silos and payment silos? The care platform, which is the SolveCare's main website, shows you how the user experience looks like. How do you actually bring this technology to in the hands of a consumer? 
how does a doctor experience the uh, the power of the chain? So that's where you get to see how the care wallet and the care cards are designed and how they move between patients and doctors and how you can integrate your current electronic medical records and your payment systems into the system. So chain is the underlying foundational infrastructure. Think of it as Amazon cloud for healthcare, but the platform is how you realize the power of the chain in the hands of a consumer. So we have written these two websites because they're different audiences. People who want to understand how blockchain is configured, how blockchain is, the, how proof of competence works and how the care, the care chain is, uh, uh, is capable of handling zero knowledge relationships, they go read the care chain website, the carechain.network. That's the more crypto friendly, blockchain friendly, web three friendly uh, communication. But for healthcare entities who are just looking to solve a problem and it's just simply saying, that's all fine and dandy, but I want to bring something to market that affects my patient provider payer challenge. Uh, care platform is how you actually experience and unleash the power of the chain. So look at both depending on what your inclination is. If you're healthcare, you know, if you're a CIO like me, you're probably going to look at both. But if you are a chief medical officer or a chief operating officer or a CFO, you will probably go to solve.care and understand how you leverage the power of blockchain in the form of a true healthcare platform. But if you want to understand how blockchain works in the healthcare world, then go to carechain.network. This is oh, this is wonderful. Um, what is the best way for them to reach out? What would you, I know I'm going to have it embedded, but for those that are on the audio side, do you want to share um, a way that they can reach out to um, to ask their questions? Yeah, so on www.solve.care and on uh, carechain.network, you have links to our all our social media, Telegram. We have a very active Telegram community. Thousands of people are active every day. They ask a ton of questions. It's 24 by 7 monitored. We will respond to questions within minutes. Um, they, if there are questions for me, they get forwarded to me or to any other executive. So we are very much online. We are all the time. We are 24-7 company. We have offices, you know, literally from one end of time zone to the other. So all the way from far east to far west. So we are always on. Uh, there is somebody in, in, in some part of the world where software lights are on. So we are always on. We are on social media and Telegram is a big community. Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter and I'm on LinkedIn and so is SolveCare. But the easiest way to reach out to us is info at solve.care email. Uh, simply tell us what you're looking to do. Um, and we will get in touch with you or join our Telegram group. Telegram group is called SolveCare without any space or dot. And uh, you can communicate with us real time there. And we'll set up a workshop for you, you, your organization, and we'll help you think through how to bring blockchain to actual, real, immediate use in your world. And there is no part of the world where we are not having these conversations. This is not a US only phenomenon. We have clients in India and we have clients in Korea and we have partners in the Middle East and we have Latin American doctors using the chain. It really is a global thing. So reach out to us any which way in any language uh, on Telegram or uh, info at solve.care. Any last minute thoughts before we sign off? Because I know we have covered a lot and there's so much more that we we could have talked about. Like I mentioned, um, you know, there, there probably would be more conversations that we'll have in the future. But any last minute thoughts for those that have been listening? So thank you. First, really, really appreciate, Jackie, what you and the GBA are doing. I'm a big fan of GBA 
because and I've seen GBA grow and, and really start to add very, very compelling value to our stakeholders, government in particular, but every other part of, of, uh, um, of healthcare as well. Uh, GBA is bigger than healthcare, but healthcare is pretty big. That's where I focus on. Um, so those of you who are listening, if you're interested, join the GBA if you can, support them. They are a fantastic organization, the most hype-free organization that I have ever encountered in this space. Um, having said that, you know, what we have started to do at SolveCare is a very big mission, is to create a global infrastructure. It's basically the principle is very simple. What if we all could trust a platform that nobody controlled? Each one of us controlled our own destiny, our identity, and our data on it. But there was no godlike entity sitting there uh, manipulating our identity or our information and benefiting from it. And what if this, the platform was accessible, secure, and compliant no matter where you lived and where you worked? And what if we could make this platform so compelling for healthcare that this is a place where we rewrite the rules of healthcare for the future generations? What if is that's the what if we, we are achieving and we have come a long way since we started six years ago. Now it's really prime time for us. So we would welcome your participation as a chain participant, as a content publisher, as a application writer, as an enterprise user, as a consumer, there's a role for you here. So reach out to us, we'll be happy to engage you. Thank you so much. And for everyone who's listening, um, I will definitely make sure that all the links are embedded within so you can explore and ask your questions and reach out because um, we're all part of the healthcare community. Um, we, you know, we we might not think we are until we're sick, but we are. <laughs> so it's really, it's really important that, um, you know, everyone involved on this from the consumer side to the provider side, take a look at how to um, have our information and the um the flow of service be more efficient and more affordable for everyone who's within, you know, our community and that community is the world. So um, everyone, as I always say on all my shows, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. We're all so interconnected. We're all part of one world. And thank you so much for being on. I look forward to speaking with you again. Talk thank to you, you Jackie. Have a great thank day. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.